guys, welcome back to That Vegan Podcast with your host, myself, Jamie Johnston. So this is the show where I sit down with the most inspirational and motivational guests from the vegan world. And it's the aim of the show to help you on your own vegan journey. Uh, Thanks for returning today and tuning in in what is the eighth episode. Uh, Apologies for last week. I had some major technical issues in there bringing you the episode with the vegan doctor, Rebecca. Um, I hope to bring you that episode very soon. So today's episode is with a guy called Ross Cooney. And, you know, this is somebody who I think who I think you're going to love. I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. I I say that about all episodes, but listening back to this and uh, when I've been doing it, when I've been doing the editing, it's it's clear Ross is, well, he's an energetic guy. He's he's bursting with energy, but you know, what he has to say is, is great. He's got some great advice. Um, He's a former Royal Marine, former basketballer, former teacher, and he's currently got his own podcast, which uh, aims to help others and achieving their goals through sort of consistent daily habits. We don't go into pod, uh, Ross's podcast in this episode, uh, but hopefully in the future, we will go into that today, very much focused on on Ross's uh, sort of advocacy around veganism. And yeah, like I said, just he has some great advice around eating habits and training protocols and, and, and also reason, raising vegan kids as well. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode of That Vegan Podcast with Ross Cooney. And I started the conversation by asking Ross about his background in education and the Marines. Yeah, so I've been a teacher for, well, I was a teacher for 12 years, and I kind of did the whole leave school, go to college, go to university. I had a brief stint, um, first time round with the Royal Marines as an officer. Uh, I left that quick smart and then uh, jumped straight into teaching. I, I was a teacher for 12 years. And um, alongside that, I ran a couple of businesses, but then towards the latter stage, probably about five or six years ago, I joined the Royal Marines uh, through the reserves. So they complete all the same training as the regulars. They just do it uh, on weekends and then exercises are with the regulars. And I was doing that, probably, like I say, about six years ago. Um, And then I kind of gave it all up, gave all the teaching gig up and um, now concentrate on doing Stuff that's a bit more authentic to who I am and what I'm about. But um, but yeah, it was a very interesting sort of journey. I'm a firm believer in everything that's happened up until this up until this point has put you and I having this conversation right now together. So, so uh, yeah, it's what did you teach us? So I was a PE teacher by trade. My first that's what I trained in. I then ended up teaching special needs and actually finished my latter stages of teaching teaching maths. Uh, in a in a pretty rough, bad, comprehensive school, which I was there mainly because of my behavioural uh, experience working with special needs kids with poor behaviours. Ross has some pedigree when it comes to sport, as does his wife. He told me about his basketball scholarship and the elite level that he and his wife played at. Yeah, so the, again, one of the only reasons I went to university was um, because I got a scholarship to go and play basketball. Um, so, yeah, I went to University uh, of Worcester, played uh, National League up to Division One. I. I was captain of the university team. We won Booster 
uh, which is sort of the British University Championships. Um, I was there for four years, including my PGCE. Um, and I played, yeah, like I say, up to National League Division One. Uh, and then I, I moved up to Yorkshire and then the team I played for Worcester Wolves, they went pro into the BBL team. So it's a quite, it was quite a high standard of sport. Um, and then alongside that, I've done triathlon and Ironman and competed quite a lot as well doing that. Am I right in saying that's where you, you met your wife? Was she an elite basketball player as well? Yeah, she was far more elite than I ever was. <laughs> I mean, she was a genuine, she played, well, she was in the Olympic squad up to London and then wow. unfortunately for her she was cut literally a couple of weeks before the team moved into the um, the village down in London but yeah she was a she was as best as a pro in this country as you can get and am I right in saying that she's plant-based as well yeah she's she's fully plant-based vegan now and if it wasn't for her the journey for me would have been a lot harder that I did find particularly interesting when going through your Instagram feed was, I think it was like a picture of a leg of lamb and you described yourself as a, a former meat eater who thought that every meal had to have some form of meat on it. So it's not as if you were, you know, just a, like a vegetarian who transitioned quite nicely into veganism. You were a guy who was, you know, right on the other side of the spectrum and who has... Uh, gone completely plant-based from one extreme to the other. Yeah, absolutely. I, I could not have been more polar opposite to where I am now. And it was, for me, it was a, it was this sort of misunderstanding of it being the most manly thing you can do. You know, for growing up as a kid, growing up as a kid, I was a massive, massive animal fan, pets, wildlife, the whole lot. I, I mean, you ask any anyone I grew up with, my parents, family, friends, I was all about pets. I had rats, snakes, dogs, you know, anything I do to go to the zoo, to go and hang out with animals. But then I'd come home and eat animals. And um, yeah, I was Mr. I used to joke about it and say I was Mr. Mixed Grill. So every meal out was either steak or mixed grill because in my mind I could get the most meat on one plate. And obviously the more meat I got in, the better it was for me and the better I felt as a man and as a person. And yeah, I was the complete other end of the spectrum, which I think allows me to have a good conversation now when I speak to people who are thinking about it and considering it because mm -hmm. um, literally five years ago, I was that guy. Every bike ride I went on finished with eggs on toast. It was all the coffee and milk you could have. Um, everything was based around meat. And um, I literally was, was listening to the Ritual podcast. I was very aware that Sarah was about to give birth to our first child, Bear. And um, I was like, this is not right. I, I, I remember when she gave birth to Bear, I remember I, I made a recording of it on my phone, driving to the hospital and being like, oh my goodness, I've now got a little boy. I've got to absolutely get my ish together. Uh, and then I just started thinking about the food that I was eating, the sort of life I was living. And I just dove in on it. Full, full board, just dove in on the meat side of it and was like, I just gave up meat overnight. Meat wasn't hard. Meat and milk, I just gave up overnight because from a very selfish perspective, Rich Roll was talking about how you could train better and recover quicker. So mm -hmm. it started out solely as that, from that direction and that perspective. But I kid you not, as soon as I started to do that, 
uh, animal welfare, the moral side of it, sustainability, uh, the whole, all the other aspects about being or why people are vegan or plant-based, they crept into my world. I was starting to see more animals around. I'd be driving along the road and rabbits and deer would be on the side going, we're watching you. I hope you're paying attention here. And it, honestly, it was insane. And they are now all on the same level uh, of importance for me now for being vegan and for being plant-based. You talk about there about dropping the ball. And I think it's really important to get that point across and to underscore that point that it's not about, you know, perfectionism and, you know, beating yourself up if you make a mistake. and. You know, I've been vegan seven years and I still make mistakes and I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you do yourself. So, you know, on that note, what advice would you give to people who you know, are just starting out and, you know, they're finding it tricky? Yeah, I mean, I did a talk the other week. Uh, I was really fortunate enough to be asked to speak at the vegan camp out, um, which was a couple of weekends ago. And I was talking there as a, and they asked me to talk about being a, ve a vegan parent and raising vegan kids. And I was having this conversation in in the talk, and it was it was fantastic because people were really um, they were just giving themselves such a hard time. And I mean, I don't talk, I don't just sort of reference references to being vegan or plant based. This is like everything in life. People are so quick to give themselves a hard time. And uh, what I was just what I'd say to people is I'd say just take one day at a time. And if you do drop the ball, it's okay. It's just about how quickly you pick the ball back up again. So I, for me, it was cheese to begin with. It, cheese was the one, I, and I kind of just went down the road, right, I can take away milk, I can take away meat and eggs. And then for me, if it had cheese in, or you added cheese to something, I would just take it away. But if it came with cheese, I kind of just had it with cheese. You know, you had to be a bit practical and realistic about it because you might have made an amazing big meal, and then it had a little bit of dairy in that you found out after, or you found out during the cooking. Well. You've already made it now, so let's get it eaten. And then next time, you just make a bit more of a conscious effort to think about what you're consuming. But if you do catch yourself out, it's okay. It's fine. I mean, and I talked about this at the at the, um, the vegan camper a couple of weeks ago. There's a time and a place for the angry vegans. And I joke about it because I do feel there is a time and a place for the angry vegan. It's not my bag. It's not who I'm about. But I would say to people, if you drop the ball, the angry vegans aren't going to be knocking at your door saying, look, we saw you today. You know, you had some custard creams and they've got milk in it. When You're not allowed to be vegan. You're not allowed to be plant-based, you know? And there was this whole big thing about what can you call yourself plant-based and vegan? And I was kind of like, do you know what? If you're going to label it and really start to break it down to, to uh, the different labels that you're going to cause it, you're going to turn a lot of people away. And um, I'm, I, yeah, I am fully vegan, but... I don't go out and I don't go out sort of screaming from the rooftops that I'm vegan. I talk about being plant-based, and if people want to know, I'll have that conversation. Um, but yeah, for people thinking about it or on that journey, just take one meal at a time. You know, even if people just start to consume a little less meat or a little less milk, that in itself is going to do wonders for the person, wonders for the environment, and it's only going to be a good thing. What you don't want to do is put too much pressure on yourself, and then. The, car, the house of cards come tumbling down and you just go straight back to your old ways because you put too much pressure on yourself to begin with. Ross recently attended the vegan camp out, something that's growing in popularity year on year. 
I asked him to share his experiences and his main reason for being there. I'm sure it was their second time running it. Last year they had something like, I want to say something in comparison to what they had this year, like maybe 500 people attended this thing last year. I think there was almost 6,000 people in attendance this year. Uh, and it was at the Newark Showground and it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They had they had vegan, I mean, there was everything there. There was activism workshops. There was, I mean, every every sort of element of the spectrum of being vegan was there. So you had the full blown, you know, what people might call the hippies, you know, there was all them at one end of the uh, uh, spectrum who were brilliant and amazing. And I sat down and had some great conversations with them. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you had the guys who were glamping and they were listening to JME who was performing Saturday night and there was grime artists and there was music. So you had a massive array of people being there. And I'd seen something online about people who were talking and I can't remember if it was, they were looking for talking or they were talking about uh, who was gonna be there, the different um, sort of areas that were gonna be up for discussion. And I just contacted the guy. I'm a bit ballsy like that. I was like, I, I talk, I, I'm quite happy to have these conversations. And I just pitched the idea of talking about being a vegan parent, but also being a vegan dad and a vegan man because of the whole manliness side of it. And the guys got back to me, they were fantastic, said, yeah, no worries, we'll book you in. So I had a, I think I had what should have been a 20 minute slot on the Saturday and it ended up being an hour. And it was fantastic, we just sat down with young couples who were thinking about having kids who were vegan, uh, young families who were transitioning, old parents, and I just wanted to share information. Um, the Like I said earlier, I started the conversation off talking about the time and the place for an angry vegan and how that wasn't my bag, but I do understand where they're coming from. And a funny story, um, the tail end of my talk was almost hijacked by the angry vegan. And I get it, I totally understand where she was coming from, but she'd kind of missed the angle I was talking about. But that that's the thing, people who become very emotional and very uh, passionate about something, this lady was physically like shaking and talking about it. And I totally get where she was coming from and she was slightly older than us. And I think she'd gone through a lot of hard times about being sort of pushed down and um, sort of snubbed for being vegan. And she kind of let it all out, but it was brilliant to hear her passion and enthusiasm. But everyone's got their different way of having the conversation. Um, I'm far more, uh, if you genuinely want to talk about it, we can talk about it and I'm happy to have a conversation. If the first question that comes out of their mouth is, where do you get your protein from? Or, how, I mean, I've literally been called, and this, and I mean no disrespect at all when I talk about this, but I've had men say to me, are you gay because you don't eat meat? And I'm just like, are you kidding me, guys? I've had, I've had Marines, I've been in the most manliest environment about men, and men, these guys say to me, if you wanna be as big as the bull, you've got to eat the bull. And I kind of look at this guy, and I, I literally, I, it kind of came to me really sort of quickly. I was like, so where do bulls, what do bulls eat? Where do they get their protein from? And you can see his brain just kind of go, oh, bulls eat grass. I don't know what to say now. And his little brain just kind of went and fizzled. And then he didn't know anything, he didn't know what to say. And then he just kind of made some like bold manly statement about, yeah, man up and eat something. I was just like, well, there you go. Ross and his wife decided to raise their kids vegan. I asked him for some advice for others 
who are thinking about doing the same thing with their kids. So the first bit about being a parent. So <laughs> you'll know there's no manual about being a parent. It is kind of, you have to play it by ear. It's, it's the world's biggest kind of like wing it and see what happens. You've, you've got to find out how to do and be a parent by yourself. You will take all the advice that everyone can throw at you and what you'll do is you'll work out what works for you. Um, and I just applied the exact same mindset towards um, being vegan and plant-based with our kids. So two kids, yeah, Bear is four and Aria, my daughter, she's now two. So with Bear, we were, Sarah breastfed for as long as she could. I think it was probably about six months, seven months before she went back to work. And then after that, we were kind of not really sure about what to do with regards to uh, powdered milk and things like that. So we used to begin with a non-plant-based uh, powdered milk. And um, then when he moved on to um, sort of soft food, soft food anyway is just all vegetables anyway. So that was when Sarah started to research about the types of foods that um, kids could make. And she would, she would look at just kind of the expensive vegan fancy baby food that was already out there and she literally just made her own version of that um but when aria came along we didn't do anything with the powder we then found out about the the um the kids milk the soya based kids milk um and that was a, a big game changer for us with regards to what they're eating at nursery we look we said to the and this is the thing there is, you, just because you're vegan or plant-based, it doesn't mean you're healthy. You can be an unhealthy vegan. And you can just consume all the processed crap that's out there that's technically vegan, but is really, really bad for you. So when Bear and Aria were at nursery, Bear's just started his first day of school yesterday, actually, and I'll get into that in a second. But when he was at nursery, they were fully vegetarian at nursery, which did mean that they consumed a little bit of cheese, a little bit of milk, and occasionally they'd have fish. I think they'd occasionally have fish fingers. But because of the nature of the food, it was on kind of a rotating uh, calendar of uh, a menu, uh, those things didn't come up that often. So we kind of, you have to manage these things. You could have been the person that goes in and demands all this stuff in the, in the nursery. And this was kind of what the uh, angry vegan at the vegan campout was talking about, because she was like demanding that the school cater for your needs. I'm like, yeah, but the, what the school were going, what the nursery were going to provide, wasn't healthy. It was processed. So, in our minds, we'd said, look, vegetarian as best as possible. Vegetarian at uh, nursery, at home and everywhere else, completely vegan as best as we could handle it. So the biggest problem is birthday parties. So as soon as they get to an age where they're just going to birthday parties every weekend and sometimes two or three birthday parties a weekend, so you've got all this to look forward to, um, you, you, you would come up with the, the sort of question of, can they have birthday cake? Can they eat that? Can they eat this? So vegetarians, so no, no sausage rolls, no, no none of the, the bad, unhealthy food anyway. But I'd have been quite happy to say to them, none of that because it's unhealthy, not because it's uh, it's meat. Because the crap that people put out at birthday parties is ridiculous, especially at kids' ones. So they'd be, they'd be talking about ice cream and jelly, chocolate cake, chocolate biscuits, chocolate this, chocolate that. 
and then you'd say no to the third offering of chocolate cake and you're the bad guy because you said no. I'm like, look, even if Bear wasn't vegetarian or vegan, I still wouldn't let him have that third bit of cake because it's a third bit of cake. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm not letting him have a third round of ice cream or a third round of, you know, some chocolatey sweet treat because the thing with those is it's supposed to be a treat. But nowadays, kids are able to have that 24-7. So it doesn't become a treat. So yeah, he will have had a small piece of birthday cake. And if it came to it, and he had it there and then, yeah, he probably did have a small bit of birthday cake. But more recently, it was, there's some birthday cake. Bear's now in a place now where you can say to him, um, Bear, you don't have the ice cream because it's made with cow's milk. And he'll say, we don't eat cow's milk. And it, it came up at nursery actually about two or three months ago. He was starting to tell the people at nursery that he didn't have fish and he didn't have milk because we don't eat animals. And nursery would call me up and go, is this right? And I'm like, yeah, it absolutely is right. So if you can change over, that's brilliant. And they did. They were accommodating. So you kind of just have to be practical and realistic about it because if you got, if you try, and this is only in my personal experience, if you try and go too hard, too big, you sort of snub a lot of people and it doesn't make life easy. And it doesn't then become a problem. I'm not concerned about it as a problem for me or for my wife. It could then potentially be a problem for Bear. So... We've, it's been a gradual, a gradual evolution, a gradual journey to the point where Bear now knows that we don't consume animal products, but we've kept it simple. He'll say, Daddy, can I have an ice cream? No. And then he'll say, oh, is it because it's the cow's milk ice cream? And I'll go, yeah. And he'll go, okay. And then I'll come up with an alternative. We'll go and find you some dairy-free ice cream. You know, he's a lot more understanding. And I think that just comes down to parenting rather than coming from a vegan and plant-based perspective it's about having a being able to have a good conversation with your kid you know and, and sort of leading by example with it because as soon as you're seen to contradict it the kids see right straight through that you know you can't say no you can't have that and then on the slide you're eating it or something else because they catch on straight away now ross is a fit guy if you follow him on social media, you'll see some of the crazy workouts that he does. I was interested to know what sort of food regimen he follows, what fuels his workouts, and his experience in completing an Ironman while plant-based. So for people who know me, I am, I'm bouncing off the walls most days anyway. So to then prime my day with a, a vegetable, uh, sorry, a uh, kind of like veggie green smoothie I was just my energy went through the roof it was ridiculous my what just on a uh, just on a green smoothie yeah honestly I'd start my days with just a green smoothie and then um, I would train or go to work and then I would have my kind of breakfast as um, as the day went on but my energy to begin with was just through the roof as soon as I was clean in my mind clean with food um my energy just went through the roof. But the, but the biggest one for me was the recovery. I was literally able to, I remember walking after I completed, my dad and I went to Copenhagen and raced in an Ironman um, two years ago. And this was insane. We did the Ironman on the Sunday. Literally, I'm walking through the airport with my dad a day later or a day and a half later, and I'm fine. I have got no no soreness, no nothing. Bear in mind, 
And for those who understand anything about Iron Man, and I'm not trying to make this sound out to be something amazing, but I did a 10-hour 15 Iron Man for my first Iron Man, fully plant-based, and to be able to do something, the the sort of level that you're performing at is is relatively high uh, to go around an Ironman at that at that that pace. But for me, the biggest thing was two days later I was back training. You know, I was literally back out running and back out swimming and back out cycling and being able to run around and play with my kids. I know guys who, not just off the back of an Ironman, but off the back of any tough session, are in bits for days. And I know your body gets used to it. I do. I understand the whole. Your body gets used to training and recovering, but the plant-based recovery side of it for me just blew my mind. Uh, I could not get my head around how how much better I feel. And and don't get me wrong. Like I said, recently my my sort of eating patterns have changed a little bit, and I've been playing around with some periods of fasting and things like that. And I've not really been calling it fasting. I've just not been eating straight away when I get up in the morning. I still consume the same amount of food but just within a short period of time. But I've literally been back on the smoothies the last um, sort of week or so, 10 days, and just to change straight away. You know, I, I don't need to be consuming the other crap in my day because, look, I will still eat some processed stuff. I'll still eat a bag of crisps. I'll still eat some uh, dark chocolate. You know, I will still occasionally, if I'm on the motorway, I'll find some veggie, vegan, Percy pigs. Because I never see them at home, I'll grab a pack. But for me, the way that makes me feel is so much better than the negative impact of me consuming those processed foods. Do you know what I mean? It makes me feel so much better. The psychological release, you know, the hanging out with friends and doing things socially over pizza and a beer. They just happen to all be vegan and plant-based. They're just processed. They're not necessarily healthy, but... How it makes me feel far outweighs the um, the negative implications of it. So, so yeah, the training and the eating, I just consume a lot. Um, I look, I will consume five, six, seven pieces of fruit a day. You know, gone are the days of bananas. Can't have too many bananas. You know, I literally had this this thing about potassium being stuffed down my throat about you can't eat too many bananas because of the potassium. And I remember speaking to a lecturer at a university who was a nutrition expert, and she gave me the breakdown. And I'm going to get this wrong, but she said, you know, the, the theory behind the potassium is true. In theory, you can overdose on potassium from bananas, but you'd need to consume something like two trucks worth of bananas within two minutes do you know what I mean? That, it's, it's just science like that. So I'm all about bananas, fruits. I will occasionally grab a watermelon for lunch. And I'll just eat a watermelon or a mango or six apples and a banana, whatever it might be. There's always an option around. I just grab it and eat it. And I, my body just became far more responsive. And I would eat when I'm hungry. I would um, drink when I was thirsty. And every now and again, I'd crave mushrooms and tomatoes because my body would tell me, look, you're missing some of this stuff. And it's in tomatoes and mushrooms. And there's quite a lot of research about kids who will crave certain vegetables because they contain certain sort of nutrients that their body requires. And they will they'll go through a stage of wanting tomatoes and mushrooms, for example. My kids went through that when they were teething. And my body will tell me what I need to have. And I just listen to my body. I just absolutely listen to my body 100%. When I'm training, when I'm recovering, my body's just become far more sensitive 
uh, and I'm in a far better place listening and responding to what my body needs. I finished the podcast by asking Ross about what films, books or documentaries inspired him to become vegan. For me, there was only ever, I only ever watched two documentaries. One was um, uh, Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead. That's on Netflix. And the other one was obviously Cowspiracy. And after seeing Cowspiracy, I didn't need to watch another documentary because it, it, it upset me so much. And I, I'm getting goose pimples now just talking about it, actually. It's quite upsetting thinking about how bad it was. It upset me that much. I really was like, I can't, I can't raise my kids like this. And so I watched, yeah, they were the two for me. And obviously since then there's been far greater. There's, uh, I think there's a new one called Oblivion, uh, which is out. And there's, there's lots of uh, What the Health and all these other ones. And I'm in such a, a good place now. I don't need to watch them. And um, I will share them and I'll tell them to people. But for me, I watched those two. They were more than enough. Rich Roll, I, I, I could almost say single-handedly single put me onto the plant-based journey. I genuinely could put it down to, to Rich Roll. But then it just became about discovering who I was about, you know? Uh, and I was, I'm quite a, not, I'm not, not to sound arrogant, but I'm quite confident in what I was doing. So it made sense. I'm a very practical thinking type of person. So if I do, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm the, the most educationally smart, but I can see if somebody's consuming this food and they're getting that output. And then if I replicate it and get the same output in my brain, it goes, boom, decision made. I don't need to change it ever again. You know? So I just um, I just read as many different articles online. Like we were talking earlier, there's some great Instagram people to follow. Turn it vegan, badass vegan, one dope vegan. All these phenomenal people who are just shining examples. Yeah.